We kick off most of these with that. Uh, <laughs> or Bill O'Reilly's pocket. We're doing live. Yeah, Bill O'Reilly's always good. We're here. Another episode of Hard Out, my favorite movie with Gene. Villette. Villette. Like Gillette Reason yeah. right. with a V. Villette Bowerman. Yep. Powerhouse. Editor, formerly of Script Magazine. Moving on to a new gig, which you can yep. tell us about. Yeah, Pipeline um, Media Group. They're, uh, we're launching a new site called Pipeline Artists, which is going to be all about supporting artists and of all different kinds, but starting off with writers and filmmakers, and then we'll branch out to musicians and whatever. You know? It's going to be crazy. Yeah, it's going to be really, really cool. cool. Twenty. We're hoping to launch late February, early March, as soon as I get my act together and get all my contributors up. So. <laughs> Which I hope to be one of. Yes, we dragged your ass right in there. Yeah, I should have a lot of time in February once this fucking movie is out next month, so that'll be good. <laughs> Speaking of movies, we're here to talk about your favorite movie, which is... Same time next year, which probably surprises a lot of people, and actually for me too, because I am more of a dark writer, and a more, and I tend to make things probably more complicated than they need to be, which is probably why I love this movie because it's so simple. simple. And, yeah. And so more, simple. Like heartwarming. I was telling you the same thing when you first told me that this was your pick. First off, fucking love it because <laughs> yes. we kicked this thing off and there's a lot of Spielberg and 80 shit. And, you know, a lot yeah. of our contacts are screenwriters, which means a lot of white dudes yeah. who love fucking Indiana Jones and Star Wars and shit. So the deeper we get into these picks, the more we want these really specific, obscure, obscure movies. <laughs> yeah, you know, I had never heard of it. I'll, I'll confess. I you. am. I know how I why I love it, but I'm fascinated because you two just fascinate me in general. Like I think, you know, having watched an early cut of Cactus Jack, I mean, like you know, and, and you know, Red Reapers, and like I, I mean, you are so dark and twisted, and which is what I love about you. Um, so I was like, when he, you know, when Jay's like, what's your favorite movie? I was like, oh my God, I, I'm going to tell them this is my favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what was my reaction? I'm so glad you picked it. My reaction was, it might surprise you, but Chris and I love shit like this little human stories. I was telling you about yeah. like a map of the world and shit, you know, um, we write these dark twisted genre things too, just cause in our hearts, we grew up watching horror movies, and that's still yeah. just in our bones. Yeah, you know? we write about what scares us mostly. But yeah, exactly. Now, uh, Which means course, we probably should be writing domestic relationships yeah, exactly. because it's pretty <laughs> fucking frightening. <laughs> and Jay and I have talked about doing something like this. You know, just a, a two characters, a romantic. Yeah. You know, a, I mean, I'm de I'd definitely be down to go in that direction sometimes too. But we actually have yeah. a couple uh, ideas, but you know, they always. They're always a little heavier, but this is too. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I think for me, I don't remember. It came, it was a play in 75 that. Um, Do you want to then, throw like a log line at people watching who okay, might not know what the so fuck this movie is? Are you ready is, for or? this? Are you ready for this? Because I remember all of a sudden I remembered that I had this because this is how much I love this movie. This is the play. Oh, shit. Beautiful. Yeah. Nice. It's the play. And. I was sitting here like waiting for you guys and I was looking through some of the scenes because I haven't read the play in a really long time. It does not have, spoiler alert, you know, the scene where um, she's having the baby. Yes. And Alan Alda's like having these like sympathy pains and all that stuff. That is not in here. The whole and pregnancy at all isn't in no, there? No, that's, that's in okay. here. The scene is in here, but not his sympathy pains. Uh, like him crawling under the bed, which I thought was was just, he was just, split your gut laughing like he was so good and i wondered whether like charles groden did the play george in the play mm. and i i don't know whether he did that in the play or that was an alan ad mm -hmm. you know what i mean do you know who played improvised. her in the play she did ellen burston uh, played yeah, her. Yeah, fucking goat legend ellen burston mm -hmm. is a oh my god timer oh my god I have this. May I recommend this to you? It's amazing. Please. She wrote a book called Lessons on Becoming Myself. And 
it was, it's not your classic Hollywood actress memoir. It's all about her life and all this crap she went through and even becoming a Buddhist and like all this stuff and about all these lessons that she's learned along the way. Man. She is amazing. That I, eerily parallels Doris in this film. Yeah, I was going to say. Like Doris yes. could have written Can't that book. for a while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. Which we'll get into her in a minute. But yeah, so the premise is essentially. Oh. Yeah, it's, it, it's these, this guy and this, woman, this man and woman who happen to be at this resort. Um, they, they each go the same weekend every year. And the first, and one, so who knows how long they had been going before they ever ran into each other, but they run into each other. They end up having an affair that like a one night stand kind of thing. But then every year they come back that same weekend, never knowing if the other person is going to show up because there weren't text messages. There weren't Facebook. It was none of this stuff. Right. And so every year they just show up and, you know, see each other and rekindle their affair and then go back to their lives. And same time next year, they come back and do it again. But and it beautifully tracks how people can change because they're only mm -hmm. seeing each other once a year in the film, the way they do it, they use these awesome montages yeah. of black and white photos the past several years. So we'll catch up with them every five, 10 years, which is great because you really get to see yeah. these changes in them. And what was interesting too, was after this last political season that, you know, that when they come back and the politics are very tumultuous, Vietnam War going on or whatever, and they're each on polar opposite ends of, mm -hmm. of the spectrum at that moment, um, even though they hadn't been in previous years. And, um, you know, and she's like, I can't sleep with somebody who voted for Goldwater. <laughs> I was just like laughing, thinking like, how many people have said that this political yeah. season? Unlike Hillary Clinton, episode two, I think. Unlike Hillary Clinton, she was absolutely not a Goldwater girl. <laughs> Man, it's you don't get these kind of movies anymore. First off, no. even. Broadway doesn't seem to do these small, just talking heads in a living room in a one location kind of thing anymore. It's all big, crazy musicals and Hamilton and shit. And it's all pageantry. And of course they're yeah. still doing these small plays. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not but as tapped into it as I wish I was. Material. <clears throat> Hollywood's not using yeah, it. Hollywood's not mining it. Source material than, right. than Broadway yeah. these days. Yeah. And to me, these are the best stories. Chris and I talk about it all the time. And, Super COVID friendly. This is the kind Very. of shit we hopefully can return to because yep. anyone could grab their phone and two actors and make this movie, literally. And actually, in the play, there were just the two actors. They didn't have any of the extras. Yes. They didn't have perfect. That's all you need. It was, and you can do that, that in a movie as well, easily. Yep. You can easily. have them talk to the guy off camera at yep. the doorway, etc. Yeah. You know? We've done yeah. those little tricks and shorts and shit. You know. Yeah. They didn't need him at all. They could have saved some money. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that's the thing, too. When they go to, to make a movie, they're like, how do we make this bigger in a movie? Right. You know, but it's like, still, why, so, why so do you have I'd to do that? Just keep the movie tiny, you know? So I'd love to know, like, what you guys, like, thought of it. Like, your gut reaction. Like, you know, it, like, in the beginning, I hadn't watched it again in a really, really long time. Well, first, before and, we get into that, I want to know what your first experience was watching it too so i don't mean to interrupt Finish that's saying, the other but. thing i love about this is you know i'm in my 50s now so you know so when i first watched it i wasn't married yet i mm -hmm. you know didn't have kids you know so it's like when you when you depending on what time in your life you see it you know um and then you imagine like even if you watch it when you're newly married like you don't know what it's like to have children to, yes. to you know all that kind of the day-to-day -day grind which again is so meta that. To what the movie is that's what yep. i was going to say i was going to ask you having watched it as i imagine several times over the mm -hmm. years have yep. you viewed it differently because you've changed as a person the different times you viewed it you know you identify with one iteration of doris more at one point in your life than you do with another etc you know yeah and i think or i think with george. for me, for me <laughs> this time when i watched it this time you know when i watched it earlier it was like okay well how you know I don't. I don't want to give spoilers away, but it's no, hard no, not to. No, no, spoil it. We right? spoil the you shit know? out of movies here. So, oh, yeah. we blow majors. So, like, twist. I don't think anyone's running to watch a 1976 movie, but whatever. You should. There's studies that say spoilers don't necessarily ruin your enjoyment of it anyway. But okay, I'll good. Say, I don't care. I enjoy it. We blow it, them so, anyway. We blow spoilers. And I 
And I want, I mean, I guess, I mean, I had spoilers watching it myself this last time because I knew the whole movie and I still yeah. enjoyed it. But mm-hmm. like, you know, when, ha- when his wife dies and she, he's like, you know, I want to marry you. Come marry me. Leave Harry and come marry me. And like, you know, the young me who watched this was like, well, fucking leave Harry. <laughs> Go marry him. You, you know? And then the, the 50 something me, you know, who, you know, my daughter's about to get married and I'm sure someday we'll have grandchildren and all that stuff. And now I'm looking at Doris with grandchildren and a retired and a settled life. And she was like, I'm comfortable. Like, yeah. I, you know, it's well, like- she says a very specific thing there too. And he's like, really? He kind of reacts to it. And she says, young people act like that's a bad word. Yep. Comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And I could get it. Like I understood it. It still made me sad. It made me sad that people, I can understand why people settle for things in life, but it also made me sad that people settle for things. And, and you know, that what for me, like in my life, the what if is that question that always haunts me. So I think that's kind of what draws me to this. It's like, what if they had gotten together? What if, I mean, mm-hmm. maybe they wouldn't still be in love wanting to meet every year mm-hmm. for 26 years. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it would have ruined it. You know, and there what came a they? point, there came a point where he was saying that he might end up marrying another woman that would, mm-hmm. that knows about this arrangement and wouldn't allow it to go on. So this is it. Like you either have to marry me or I'm just, we're not going to see each other again. You know, no, he did pop back in and say the lady was 87. He was just saying, <laughs> yes. that strong I, I was, I was leading to that. Yes. Um, <laughs> as I watched it, that, you know, mm-hmm. I was. The, the experience of, of him leaving, I, I thought it was going to be a downer ending. And don't get me wrong, you know, yeah. I love downer endings, but right. I didn't want this to be a downer ending. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when he came back in, I was thrilled. I was like, oh, shit, yes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know? Um, so in a the- way, you say the what if, uh, well, that what if they got married, but also what if they ended it there? So at least they still yeah. have this mm-hmm. arrangement going, you know, that will continue. And This movie and- speaks to the what if in a big way. Because Chris and I lament this all the time. One of the great cruelties of reality is that you have to pick a path and you only get this one life and one experience and you have to make these choices Mm -hmm. and shit. And we're kind of doomed to always second guess. Did we make the right choice? And a lot of people throw their lives in upheaval because they're not supremely happy, you know, versus Mm -hmm. content or comfortable even or mildly dissatisfied, which, you know, you can get through. You yeah, know, life's not yeah, hell. You can get expected, really. You know? yeah, yeah, and just path of least resistance and all that. But you know, like again, we just lament this that there isn't this. You know, we wrote a script about a guy who creates a machine and can jump into other parallel universe versions of himself because he fucked up his life in his own, and he's trying to find his family in another life and take it over again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this crazy mad scientist or whatever. That's just something that's always preoccupied us. And this movie speaks to that where they kind of have their cake and eat it too. Yeah. But it's always that question. Should, should we just go all in on this? Should we leave, you know, are we going to leave a trail of destruction behind us? Is it worth it? Is it better this way? So. I also thought it was really interesting that she seemed to evolve more than he did. Way more. You know, yeah. and and even at the end, like that was really the first time we saw her cry, mm-hmm. like you know, and where he was this emotional guy all along, and she was very much more stoic and smarter. It, mm-hmm. You know, I felt like her as I think in the seventies, even for, from the start, even yeah. though she was someone who didn't he finish high school himself. and he was a snob about being intellectual. You know, mm-hmm. she ended up she being this wild success, and I mean it. And she challenged herself. She, she wanted to change, you know. And mm-hmm. um, and maybe maybe it was because it was written in the seventies and the women's movement and yeah. all that stuff. So maybe that was like something that spoke to him. Um, uh, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. How she was a lot stronger than he was, mm-hmm. you know. And um, until that, like the one time I saw his strength was when she was gonna have the baby and she's like finally kind of showed this vulnerability like i'm yeah. scared like wake up asshole like yeah. help me and out of here by the face and you know we're gonna get through this and everything yeah relationships that was, that are like nice that. to see him rise to the occasion yeah like yeah. So people have to take the leadership role or the brave role at different times you know what i mean mm-hmm. and, uh, i will say 
I've got some tough guy in me, but I got a lot of neurotic, nebbish, mm-hmm. panic attack shit in me too. You know, we grew up some circumstances that like- imprint your psyche a certain way. Um, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think you and I are the kinds of guys that like if the zombie apocalypse went down, we would just like rise to that occasion. You know, if you were just forced into like the foxhole, so to speak, you know, but like mm-hmm. otherwise, like why get yourself into any kind of confrontation? Why invite that? You know, like it is better to just go through life trying to. But it's more uh, about how you handle crises that comes at yeah. you, not that you create it on your own or put yourself in a situation like he didn't realize she was going to show up pregnant and have a baby right. on the but bed. So it happens and it's the thing is, as it's happening, he's all neuroticizing and freaking out until it hits that moment where it's like, look, I need somebody to be strong here. And then he exactly. has to step up. But I found in my own life as a person who has anxiety issues and shit, that it almost is better to be in the fight. And a lot of fighters yeah. I know are like that in the fight. They, they can hit a flow state. They're in the zone or whatever. It's mm-hmm. the neuroticism is the walk to the cage and the training and thinking about mm-hmm. if you're going to lose or, right. or not. So yeah. it's interesting that probably he found in that moment more peace mm-hmm. once shit really hit the fan because it's always the lead up that you're freaking out. But once you got to just it's a time for action, you know, you don't and that out. was like that was a one like evolution moment for him because mm-hmm. he normally overanalyzes everything. Exactly. Maybe it's the accountant in him or whatever. Which I can relate to. <laughs> yeah, he's like overanalyzing as long as his mind is mm-hmm. thinking, he's freaking out. And then he couldn't there was no time to think. This baby was coming. Like it, you know. Um but so so funny. Like just just so like these, just these little moments, you know, like when he was on the phone before she shows up pregnant and you know, he's impotent and you know, right. it was like, you know, Alan Alda's <laughs> hilariously, I mean, he's just underrated as, as fuck. Like his comedic yeah. timing. I mean, if you go back to mash, like the Altman movies, all right, mash, the TV show was killer. And yeah. he was behind a lot of that writing shit, you know, I mean, yep. he he's was so beast. good. I think he wrote. I think he wrote a book about taxidermying his dog. <laughs> I gotta read that shit. He's Interesting. Just, he's a yeah, crazy dude. Yeah, I think it was dude. something like, why not to taxidermy your dog? Personally, doing it, like actually, or taking it somewhere to have it done. <laughs> like, yeah, like I do the actual know, taxidermying himself. Yeah, I, ha- <laughs> I have some vague memory. Not that he did it himself, but that he uh-huh. had his dog. Had you know, so is he advocating for it or he's saying don't do it? Like, it's always, I don't remember. I think he was saying, like, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah, that's I could see him. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's a cautionary tale, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. But it was, you know, and then I'll shock you once again, somebody made a book out of it. Get out of here, and you have all this. I love it. It's truly your favorite, it is. So while I'm sitting here, like, you know, I was waiting for you guys, and 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 um, I said, oh, well, you know, I'll start reading this. And I don't know that I, I don't think I've ever read it. I just bought it, but I never read it. And it starts off in his house with his wife and his kids. Oh, wow. And Interesting. And that's what, you know, now I kind of want to read it to see like, how, what they do with it. But because maybe yeah. people always wondered, like, what were their real mm-hmm. lives like? Or, but I... But I, Did Slade write it or someone else novelized it? No, um, Linda Stewart novelized mm-hmm. it. And um, Better be on your game, Linda Stewart. Uh-huh. Right. She did have a couple good jokes like right right out of the gate that felt like they were George worthy, like All that right. he would have said okay. it. But um, I don't know that as a viewer of the film that I wanted to know what their lives were like. Right. I kind of didn't want that. And I kind of liked just having them in this yes. bubble because that yeah, was the conceit. point. you know that they escaped for this one weekend a year they escaped their lives and so if you take the reader into their lives then what if they start feeling bad for the wife or for the husband or for the kids or for whatever it's like that defeats the the context yeah yeah well i i had the same instinct but then when you think about it when since we have the film and the play in that form maybe it's cool to take that direction with the Mm -hmm. book to say might as well expand on this stuff or whatever, other than just repeating the same thing. So it's interesting. Yeah, that is true. But when it comes to then when you're trying to gauge, which one is the better version of it objectively, that argument she's making definitely applies. And you could even argue what we were just doing before about the differences between the play, having just the two of them and not even stepping foot outside of the room, et cetera. Is that even superior? Because a violation of that. Yeah. We talk yeah. all the time about that 
how the enemy of art is the lack of limitations or the mm-hmm. absence of limitations, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like the more limitations you put on something, it's not, you know, a definite formula that it's going to be better, but it just makes you be more creative or more yeah. pure. Like that's the purest version. It's just these two people in this, the room is almost the third character, you know? Yeah. And I like the, I, and I'm also fascinated with the adaptation process and, mm-hmm. and the choices people make in adaptation. And, yeah. you know, I remember Michael Haig said to me once, like, there's no point in adapting something unless you're going to do something different with it. Like, it, you know, because then, or else it's just the same thing in a different mm-hmm. form. That's so what Chris what, was just speaking to you. Yeah. And so like, now I am kind of curious to sit and read the book. I'm sure I could just sit and read it short and, yeah. um, and see like, you know, did it make it better? Like would I have wanted a movie version like that or would, or is that just a really great book version? Mm-hmm. So that would make an interesting article, your review of yeah. this book. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's, I just, and I also thought it was great that it wasn't, all about sex like people think affairs are all about sex and Mm. this the only time you really see her see her naked you know she's naked you don't see her naked is the very first time Mm -hmm. they're in bed other than that you anytime they're in bed they they're clothed you know so it's Mm -hmm. it's which is interesting because it's also like that was the one time you saw them literally raw and naked and totally vulnerable when they were strangers mm-hmm. and but yet as they got to know each other more yeah you didn't see them naked again well and that's vulnerable that's in like a physical literal sense but you could yeah. argue that they're even more vulnerable later and fully yeah. clothed emotionally yeah. and everything it, it inverses yeah. itself or flips, yeah. that's a one-night stand essentially that's easy yeah there's nothing to risk no nope. naked this person's never going to see you again etc you know and he didn't even tell her his real name. <laughs> right, right. Oh, speaking oh, no. of which, she or was she? He was calling her. He the got wrong her name wrong. I remember he got her name yeah, wrong, he but he also Dorothy, said his name was Philip. That... Right. Yeah. yeah, I think it was both. Yes. <laughs> but that shit doesn't I, make his character great. The other thing that I've been really <laughs> that I think one of the reasons I was drawn to this is I'm also fascinated by the idea of anonymity and mm. how safe that makes people in life. Like I know when I travel and I'm on a plane yeah, and I whatever. Love that feeling. Yeah, like people will tend to talk to you more about yeah. stuff because they don't think they're ever going to see you again. Mm-hmm. And so, serving friends, like in the yeah, like club. okay. So I want to know, like, because the first time I watched this, I wasn't a writer. So this was like back in the seventies. You know, I wasn't a. I was, Did you see this when it came it, out? Like, do you remember the first time you watched it? I didn't go. I was trying to remember that. I was trying to remember when that first time was I watched it. I didn't see it in the theater, so I definitely saw it at home. But my dad and I used to love to watch like old movies together. Like we used to watch, but like Shirley Temple and Catherine Hepburn and, you know, mm-hmm. Spencer Tracy kind of movies. And, but so I know I first saw it on the TV. I never saw it in a theater. So I was probably in high school or maybe maybe college, but probably high school, like the end of, I graduated in 81. So probably. That's cool though, that this story, because one thing I wanted to say, I love and appreciate about it too. And we don't get nearly as much of anymore is films about grownups for grownups. Mm-hmm. Even the mo- the movies for grownups seem to like have to have younger cast and shit now. And, you know, unless it's a movie about being old, like the shit Al Pacino and Alan Alder in nowadays, it's almost like they're always old men movies specifically. Yeah. You know? It's about yeah. aging. Old but... man road trip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, just when we were kids, I didn't want to see movies about kids. Somehow Hollywood got it in its head that if we're after the youth market, we need to make all this kid shit. Coming of age. Kid actors and kid stars and everything. And it's like, no, dude. Short rounds, like the worst part of Indiana Jones. You know what I mean? The kid that you throw in there to appease us or make us relate or whatever. We don't give a fuck about relating. Yeah. We want to be Indiana Jones. Yeah. See some kid like me in this shit. Right. I don't want to be me. Yeah. Yeah. As a, as a fan of fantasy as a me. kid, I, I, I always kind of lamented that it was always through the POV of some kid transported to this world instead of just about this world, this crazy world. You know, it always seemed Hollywood always seemed to have that take that direction. 
And, and even when we were younger, I remember being like, what, 20 years old and just loving shit. Like, I'm not Rappaport, just these old yes. man movies. And again, based on a play, um, of usually right. just talking heads, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know. I think the, the human condition and relationships and, and especially these, you know, marriage, like it's supposed to be for life, right. you know, like, and, but yet, as you see from little, little pieces of Doris and George's lives, like, you change so much as a person as you go through life, you know, and, and then that, that eternal question, can one person keep you happy? And, you know, throughout your life, when you're changing, they're changing, you're, you know, are you changing at the same time? And what, what I also found interesting is I was, you know, looking, looking it up, like after watching it again, it made me more curious, like to go back and look about its evolution and how was the play received? And, Oh, here's another little fun fact. At one point, I mean, the play was um, done several times. And um, at one point, um, I think at the very end, Diane Carroll played Mm -hmm. um, Doris. But also there was a version where Carol Burnett and Dick Van Dyke played them. Oh, shit. I know. Damn. That is the thing about plays. And Chris and I have said this, too. Why don't we just have more remakes? Kind of just recastings, almost. even Like, you don't have to. It's like a play. That's the beauty. Yeah, you don't have to reinvent the whole thing. Use the same script. Yeah, but just with a new cast. I remember, like, we were pitching a Lady Hawk remake, right? Yeah, we're pitching a Lady Hawk remake, and they're like, "This is great. You guys have great ideas." And already, we felt compelled to change it too much. My whole take was like, cut the fucking Queen soundtrack out of it, and it'll be fucking awesome. Pretty much, yeah. Cast somebody. That's why it's great. The the nature of the curse. Right. Exactly. So anyway, this meeting evolves to we really love your ideas which again we were already straying too far we kind of thought but uh is there a 15 minutes in the future version of this like all right what's 15 minutes in the, have you seen you know lady hawk like the conceit? no i haven't seen it this is a movie from the 80s this fantasy movie with michelle pfeiffer and rutger Hauer, where he's this knight and she was his love and they got cursed by this evil priest dude where he would be a wolf what was it during the day right no, he's a wolf at night. She's at a night, bird at she's day. She's a hawk at, during the day. So they were right. cursed to never be to, to be together oh. as humans. You know, so oh. when he so he's this knight with a hawk. Human, he'd have a hawk, and, and she's this woman that this wolf woman at night with a wolf companion, which is dope. Yeah. And, and it was and, only like you know at dusk, dusk and dawn, where there'd be a, a glimmer of being human together. You know, yeah. So that just, just that conceit is so amazing and romantic. Yeah. It's like a classic. Like, how do you do that in a in a sci-fi version? You know, yeah, fifteen minutes in the future. That they were like, can we make it technology based or something? And it's just like, (laughs) no, it's like this curse. You know, it just kind of has to be. I don't know. I love to see you guys look at a meeting when you're just thinking to yourself, just looking at each other. (laughs) I'm sure we've given each other some looks in these meetings, (laughs) demeaning looks. I can't stand it. I mean, yeah, that's like because now we're making shit in the basement to not deal with it. You know, so when you were talking about, uh, you know, when you music or whatever, when I watched it again the other day and I saw the beginning and, you know, it was just this whole song over them talking and, but never us. Right. Never you don't hear, hear them. Yeah. Them. I noticed that too. You don't it's see cool. what the it was cute. that got them there. Yeah. yeah. And I was, and then they're in bed and then we start hearing them talk. And I and some of the things they were saying to each other, I thought, well, wouldn't you have told them that before, like in the restaurant yeah. the night before? Like, I I kind of wanted to know, not mm-hmm. that it was necessary to know. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I like that something leaves me thinking. I I don't want everything spoon fed to me, but I would mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious. Like, okay, so say I go and read this book or or read the play. In the beginning, I want to see where the play starts. Like, does it start yes. right with them in mm-hmm. bed? Like, does it start, you know, like, yeah, um, I'd be curious too. crack it open. Look at the first page. Yeah, say, check it out. Let's do it. Look. <laughs> we got it right here, kids. But it, it does say right on here, Doris, Ellen Verstein and George um, was played by Charles Grodin. He'd be great too. I, I could see I Grodin crushing and this. So during when they decide to make a movie of it, little fun facts, um, they didn't want to cast Ellen because they thought she was too old. And they didn't want to, they did not cast um, uh, Charles because they didn't think he was a big enough name. Lame. So the police rise. Oh, it starts with them in bed. Mm. Okay. 
which is partly why, why, why they did it. I think probably just as a montage with music over it yep. instead of writing new dialogue. And yep. well, even though Slade himself, what is his name? Bernard Slade or? Yeah. Uh, Bernard, Bernard Slade. Yeah. So he yep. adapted the film himself, which is awesome. He got an Oscar nomination, which I saw. So did she. And I think the cinematographer did too, believe it or not. Um, which didn't strike me as anything crazy, but movies were different then. Yeah, very different. Um, but what's and but what's interesting too now that I'm reading those first lines when she, you know, she's just like, "That's a nice outfit," and he's like, "Hi," she's like, "Hi," you know, like, like I'm now imagining like being a person in the audience at the play, and this is how it opens. You know, I think it's I mean, fantastic. I, yeah. yeah, I mean, you because you're. I mean, you. Everybody knows what they're going to see before they see it, so they know the premise. It's not like they had no idea what the premise was, but well, you know. back to that limitations thing, it almost forces you to get in late, get out yeah. early, so you skip all the bullshit mm-hmm. of the meeting. Mm-hmm. Or let's just dive in. They're in bed. We open it. There's a fucking bed. They're in it. That's great. They're in it. They're in it. Just dive into the story. You don't, because honestly, Chris and I talk about this all the time too. Like Lawrence of Arabia, like just sitting there for three minutes of a fucking song. Yeah. To open a movie sometimes, you know, those old movies. Yeah. So you just those have old to movies are always like, like just that. Just dive in. Like, we don't even have opening credits in Cactus Jack. Yeah. We just get into the movie, credits at the end, fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, and it also just propels you right immediately into a moment of conflict. You know? Yes, exactly. Like there's mm-hmm. two people yeah. who are probably all thinking, what the hell did we just do last night? <laughs> you it's your instinct, and we're all writers. Your instinct is to set up the conflict. Yeah. Why are these people fighting? It's like, you can get that throughout it, you know? Yeah. Yep. It's kind of life. I mean, most people can can get there themselves. They know what leads to this moment, you right. know? Yeah. I mean, it, I, it's just, just, I don't know. It's just, I think for me, a lot of times when I'm writing something, I'll, if I'm, when I'm in the outlining stage, you know, I'll tend to get like overthink it. And like, you know, think, oh, I got to do something big here. I got to do what, you know, and then I start making it like, or when I'm brainstorming some idea with one of my writing partners, like, you know, I'll start getting a little too complicated, you know, and I keep like having to remind myself, like, it doesn't have to be that complicated. Less is more like just, you know, just, just has to be good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the human condition, I mean, I think it's maybe good. I might, I'll probably touch base with this film more often now that, you know, it's been a long time, probably 15 years. Same time next year. I watched it. It's set a day every year. December 27th, every year I'm going to watch this movie. Yeah, I mean, it's like, just to remind you. We should meet and have a podcast about it every year. (laughs) I love it. We'll touch base, see how you're doing. December 27th, perfect. She's like gonna show he, up a hippie I, next hey, year. Exactly. <laughs> we'll hey, what was your what was your favorite iteration of Doris since she did change so much? Was it was a little overt, to be honest. Yeah. You could argue, but you could also say that's why they chose to look at these years because there were all these other years where there wasn't that much change, you know, or it was incremental. As a woman, yes. who, um, in case you didn't know, oh, I'll check, I mean, but, we're not going to. But you know, like as a mom, like I, yeah, like um, as a. As a mom, like I, you get so caught up in everybody else, and like you know, and I'm still. My parents are very old fashioned, you know, so I'm still. I've got like one foot in the old fashioned world, and the other foot in the I am woman, you know, I have a career, whatever world, and I can. I could very much relate to that feeling like you have to do for others all the time and and that like in the beginning of the novelization it starts off with with her you know the first scene you see her in she's kids the dog's puking like she's exhausted she just wants a break and I'm like oh yeah I can totally relate to that and and so like so for me I enjoyed there was something in all of her iterations that I very much enjoyed her, but it was really watching her discover herself and okay. figure out who she, she built was. This business and stuff. And was, yeah, she was like yeah. taking action and she was the provider in her family more than her husband and stuff. She was out there doing shit. And I thought and, it was really, yes, yeah, you said evolving. Yeah. And I thought it was really interesting because a lot, you, one could argue that a lot of her in this film was a, a typically male 
characteristics. You know, Mm -hmm. she was a, she was, she took a lot more risks than George took. She, you know, she really, um, pushed herself. She didn't let herself be confined by being uneducated and being a mom. Like she, I really respected that she kept challenging herself you know, it's a um, great feminist movie, honestly, it to is. watch. It really is about her blossoming and not time. Uh, yeah, allowing I mean, herself to be defined, you know. Yep. And even her, even in the end, her making that choice to stay mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. with yeah. Harry, you know, was about, this was a choice. Yes. This is a choice. That's what's best for me. And my it's family. a great second wave feminism movie. Maybe not third wave feminism. It's a great yeah. second wave feminism movie. Like you don't have to, I guess it's like the lesson of you don't have to blow up the house to right. find yeah. happiness. Like you can, yeah. and you just got to meet some stranger and fucking one. Exactly. Here. Maybe every marriage <laughs> needs this. Huh? What? I was thinking about that as I watched. I was like, should there be like a purge, like a night, right. like devil's night? Like everybody gets a weekend and just do whatever the fuck they want without judgment from their partner or whatever. Would that? I mean, it's impossible. Well, what are, what are the off that... some steam, no questions asked. Yeah, one of the things that I that I always, you know, that I thought was really interesting too when I was looking back on the adaptation and the movie and all that stuff and the the popularity of it, it was very popular in Europe, it was very popular in foreign countries, but a lot of Europeans do this. Like right. they 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 it's it's The French it's, dudes are just known to have mistresses and it's like And almost, Italians. I mean, yeah. like my family's yeah. Italian, and a lot of Asians like, too actually. Yeah, I mean it's I think that's a lot of their culture. Well, yeah, that it's like honorable enough to have the yeah. spouse and have the family, but yeah. no one person. And it's true for men and women. They weren't. It wasn't just like the men got to do this. The the women right. got to too. But that you come home at night, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, America is a country who was founded by people who thought England wasn't puritanical enough, so they came here. Like right. they're getting away with too much shit. <laughs> they're no partying shit. too much, you know. So they came here. So that's really the vestigial source mm-hmm. of a lot of our shit. And you could talk about it's funny. Chris and I were just joking on a podcast last night. Pretty much, you can assume everyone's a hypocrite. So anytime mm-hmm. someone's passionate about anything in a negative way, they're doing it. You see it all the time with anti-homophobes homophobes are usually yep. closeted gay dudes who hate themselves. I feel like that's what America has going on with the over-sexing yep. and everything. It's all because we're these puritanicals that yeah. we're doing. It's a weird, it's almost a reverse version of that, but it's like our yeah. psyche, our id. It's preoccupied with all this sex shit because we're so puritanical. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. We should and just cut loose and fucking chill and out. I think that's where the appeal... And yeah, I think that's where the appeal and the success of this film and play came from because people maybe were living vicariously through them yeah. or, you know, whatever. Like, you know, like even with that horrible book, Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, <laughs> like I thought of that I while was, watching this. I was like, if they made this nowadays, that's what it, it would, would be. It'd be it. them Funny. fucking every year or whatever. Yeah. And then right. you know, yeah, it'd be way more sexual. And it's so yeah. great that it was just about... True. That's not what they were craving, especially as they get older. Like Kurt Vonnegut yeah. said, the most liberating day in a man's life is when he wakes up and doesn't care about sex anymore. Yeah. yeah it's true. He could actually enjoy the museum tour and not be thinking about banging the tour guy. Exactly. <laughs> this is quote. This is something like that. Exactly. Well, yeah. all right. Let's, uh, you told us your favorite iteration of Doris as a woman. It said, Chris, who was your favorite? Like, which one would you want to show up to if you were Alan Alda or George? Which version of Doris would you have had the best? Oh, the hippie for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Hippie all day. Ah, yes. Same for me. Of course, casual and chill. His most conservative. I looked this movie up on Rotten Tomatoes, and it has a forty percent with critics and an eighty-five percent. And I was like, "How is that possible?" It has a forty percent when it got Oscar nominations and shit. And that's because there are none on Rotten Tomatoes. This is like a forgotten movie. There's five critical reviews oh. and three of them are like dudes who watched it in five years ago yeah and they're like this movie's boring and you know people yeah. talk too much even the critics are, i mean what's it and if the guy and if the guys who watched it and left the reviews were like 25 they right. they wouldn't get it you, you know it's like, life experience yeah, yeah. <laughs> at 25 i think i would have loved this but that's true uh, but yeah me too but i mean we grow up again they're watching all kinds of very mature movies and shit you know um mm-hmm. i mean I like shit like ordinary people. All the movies that came out in this but, era, you know. Oh, that was. But we're so talking good. about the average twenty-five-year-old yes, out there for sure. But you yeah. think a film critic could appreciate? But it, you know, but, right? And that, and when you say like the average twenty-five out there, like you know, last night 
we were watching Captain Marvel and, and, you know, that's really the market. Like they're, they're trying to reach, right. you know, that. And I would love, I'm hoping COVID brings us back to character driven movies yes, and quiet movies like this that are, that are just, you know, they leave you thinking, you know, Captain Marvel didn't leave me thinking. I liked That's, it. You know, Captain but Marvel is their thinking. answer to feminism nowadays is, yeah. oh, she kicks ass like a man. Right. It's always it, a strong woman is always Wonder Woman kicking ass. And yeah. she's like, no, that's not what makes women great that they could backflip and kick your head off at the same time. Which as a woman, I I don't like that. Like I right. I feel like I don't you know, I happen to also be a black belt, but I don't like to that that's the way they define a strong woman. Like that exactly. somehow she has to have a gun in her hand or beat somebody up or it's whatever. Absurd. Doris was one hell of a strong woman. Exactly. I yeah. mean it's she a strong was, character. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And those are the kinds of movies that, you know, that I just, I like the movies that lead me thinking. I like the movies that of thinking about the human condition, about a person's, a character's mm-hmm. choices, what they, you know, uh, you know, the what risks would you do they took. In their shoes. Cause right. there's none of that in like a Captain Marvel. What would, would I fight the bad guy or would I just run and cower? Right. Like, Shut the fuck up. You fight or die. I mean, like right. you really have no choice there. And I, and I now, do, I'd love to see a Marvel movie do that. What if Captain Marvel was just had a panic attack and fucking fled and Thanos killed everybody or whatever? Either. They'll occasionally have like sacrifice in those movies. You oh. know what I mean? Yeah. Like they'll have a person have to kill a character off or something like that. But, but it's always manifest. Yeah, it's not a trope same, anyway. You know? But I would love to see those kinds of movies get more of this happening. Like just why not in some weird setting, like a Star Wars setting, you have just a relationship story or something. Yeah. You know? Like it has to be yeah. people running and jumping, you know. It'd yeah. be has there ever been a love story between someone in the Empire and someone in the Rebellion? Like right. some straight That'd up star-crossed? Yeah. Uh, Romeo and Juliet. Right <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, no, nope. more lasers, more running. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yawn. Run and jump. It's ironic that Video the games. most action-driven scenes are the ones where I want to fall asleep the most. Yeah, but, um, you do. Yeah, you do tend. I uh, like sometimes when the action's all going on, it's just, just like okay, well, you know, they're just going to fight, and the good guy's going right. to win, and like I'll go get a get get you know a drink. I fall asleep all the time yeah. in action movies, and it's always during. I remember that Clash of the Titans remake they made. I remember falling asleep in the theater. And I was out a while, and I woke up, and they're like, they're still fighting the Squirpy. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like a five minute Maybe fight with a CGI Squirpy, and shut the fuck. No. This, this this movie, uh, same time next year, the passage of time, like you mentioned, the newsreel, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, breaks or whatever transitions um, it like because of its sort of clockwork, you know, uh, impetus that it is like the whole hook is that it's meeting every year, even though I think the scenes were like five years apart. Back yeah. Yeah. They're um, but I can't think of any other movie that captured the passage of time across characters better because like there you'd have yeah. like biopic like like life stories but they're usually kind of even that though it's it somewhat though yeah that's that's maybe the closest but it was still more amorphous you know and mm-hmm. this is just like it's like the, the march of time i guess is what i'm getting at like to actually the just how every year is just going to keep coming and it's consistent and persistent you know yes. um, and that makes, you really captured that pretty well and i yeah. can't think and that that makes me kind of want to go back and watch those transitions between them to see like which because there's there are five years in between so mm-hmm. what were the things they chose to show and a lot of them are political and, and stuff and that's what i was yeah. going to say a lot of you yeah. know early on it's more like elvis and stuff but then you're starting to get into jfk and mm-hmm. presidents and mlk and you mm-hmm. know um, I'm going to have to go back though and watch the later ones. Yeah. That's what I'm most interested in. And I feel like I didn't pay as good attention to them by then for some reason. And to um, see how, maybe because we knew that that's what they were doing was just showing this gap of time, but also to see which ones they picked and if they, how they related to the theme of the next scene, right. like what, what they were going to talk about. Well, yeah, you know? it was a lot of it. Like I said, it was Vietnam type shit. Right. Uh, and then she shows up like a hippie and he's a conservative, which and I was going to say, that's one of the reviews things. that I saw. Well, it had an 85% with viewers, which sounds more right to me on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. But I did read a couple of them and people are so, they just don't get it sometimes. It's like <laughs> first they have a negative thought about a movie and they just stick with it, whether yeah. the movie explains it or not. Just because on one of them was saying, I just thought it was, unrealistic how he just showed up so conservative one year when she was a hippie and he's like the super conservative and it felt like they were just using these two characters to have this battle but then it's like 
if you stick around, you find out his son died in Vietnam, and that's yeah. why he's like nuke the fucking Asians mm-hmm. and everything. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. it's super character driven that he would Very. show up conservative like that. It's not, and especially since we learned that he was really kind of his favorite. You know, right? One other thing I caught this time that I never caught before was what she named the baby that he helped her birth. And what was it? Do you, he named she remember. named she named her Georgette. Mm. and i didn't catch that before and i was like oh that's so sweet like i didn't i guess it couldn't be his kids because nine months obviously so right oh my head was immediately (laughs) because my mind went there for a second i was like oh yeah it couldn't work yeah do you have like a favorite moment of this all overdo it so chris and i the more we write movies and the more we rekindle our romance with movies which is what we're kind of doing with this podcast too after spending so many years trying to make them and shit that we kind of stopped watching them and with tv the influx of tv you know just movies have yeah i think last thing but uh do you have the more we find that movies are really about moments if you have a yeah. few good moments you got me for life with that movie most movies are devoid of one single fucking moment you know yeah i think for me you know the the moment that always sticks with me like i've got like a couple moments you know but for the comedic moment was always the scene where she was in labor like mm-hmm. and him just dramatic as well. sitcom set I mean, it was hysterical. I I look forward to that scene every time mm-hmm. and 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 now, you know, watching it having given birth, mm-hmm. like I, I think to myself, if she knows she has really short labors, but she was a month early, so I guess that would be okay. <laughs> but it kind of made me wonder, like, why would she go that far away for them? Like, true. That yeah, if she was prone, that like she yeah. might be prime time, right? Man, yeah, that's how bad she wanted to see. Maybe him. she but was think- testing George in some way yeah, to. Maybe. She wanted to have it around him. I don't know. Who knows? Even but so. I mean, it was only yeah, a two-day window. It's kind of right. And I think they explain it because the baby's a month early so that mm. that kind of explains okay she, pretty, she probably figured though i'm only here for two days yeah, yeah. yeah. Two days. yeah. totally totally and then like the dramatic moment um was probably that whole scene when when um she here she was saying she didn't want to sleep with somebody who voted for goldwater mm-hmm. but then as soon as she finds out that michael died mm. in the war she's right there for him like all of a sudden none of that matters anymore she's right there for him and um and that said so much about their relationship well that um is instructive to how we should be about this political shit and how divided we are and everything it's like get past that look at the real human being there connect on that level all that other shit kind of falls away and we can you know yeah get on the same page to get Borat and the, the guys he was hanging out with and the, the <laughs> Borat too. Right. <laughs> yeah. Borat too, um, yeah. Yeah. And like, we watched that with my mother, by the way, She's, who's 88. It's fucking <laughs> nice. <laughs> How'd she like that period scene? She liked the, the first Borat. She laughed hysterically at this one. Mm-hmm. She didn't think was as good. And it, could be because you kind of already knew, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't yeah. so like shocking. Powers already, too. Yeah, yeah, like you already know. The Just first one was again. really good. Yeah. You want to know what one of my favorite moments of this movie was? Yeah, I was do. when he answered the phone when Harry called. Oh, yes. yes. That was a great. Great fucking oh. scene. And it's great because the iteration of him that time was this dude, it's cool and psychoanalyzed. Yeah. Yes. He's going yeah. to therapy. Everything's cool. He's with it. Honest. He's with He's it. Honest. Yes. It's all about honesty, man. It's all about honesty. Yes. And then at the very end, boom, he says, <laughs> uh, My name, uh, Father O'Hallahan. Right. Yeah, that, yeah, was whatever. Yeah. that was just perfect. Alan Alda timing, perfect. The, the perfect line, the perfect that show that he's Amazing. still this hypocritical human, that his whole honesty thing is the most yeah. important thing is bullshit. You know, we, yeah. we got to tell white lies to protect the people we care about. That was yeah. genius, too. That was a genius answer. Yes. Oh, I'm Father So. I thought like, he was going to say Philip. I thought he was going to use the first fake name, but sorry. Yeah. Okay. But for a, you know, in particular, being a priest or a yes, pastor, it's perfect. That, you know, yeah, like who else? And can she know was. Really it keeps her out of it. trouble. He was protecting yes. her by yep. saying really she's a priest. Yep, because she's there on a retreat every year. Yeah, imagine what Harry's gonna have to say when she came home if he had said Philip or George or whatever. Who's yeah. this fucking friend of yours? But when it's Bad. a priest. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Yeah, really, yeah. what's worse than answering fucking questions from your spouse about shit? <laughs> <laughs> But it, I don't know, just, it, it, and I love that moment too. It like spoke to how much they cared about each other, you right. know, and that they didn't really want to blow up each other's lives, you know? 
Um, yeah. Yeah. What was your favorite moment, Chris? Man, I don't. I wasn't. I was. Next time I watch a movie, I want to think in that context. Yeah. Like, what mm-hmm. would be? Well, what's um, the thing that like popped out the most for you? Like that you remembered the most? I, I mean, the the pregnancy or yeah. the labor scene that you mentioned was my first thought too. If I were asked yeah. the question. Um, and not only the comedic stuff, but the dramatic, dramatic uh, part of it as well, because like the moment when he had to get himself together, because he had been shown to be the super neurotic character up to that point and where he realized she was in the state that he was normally in and, and mm-hmm. realized that he had to do something and he took it, her head in his hands and yeah. was almost convincing himself that everything's going to be OK. I'm sure that was part yes. of it, too, that he was telling himself that as well as her. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that and, and the very end, like I said, when I thought that that was it, it was over. I, I was pretty sad, you know. And, yeah, it's great. That you're yeah. romantic at heart still. You want I, to I'll come back? You, I, I was moved to tears. A, a Same thing with the plane. Yeah. When he went to get on the plane that one time. Oh, yeah. And yep. he's just like, I got to get yes. the fuck out of here. Yes. And I thought, yes. I thought this movie might make him get on the plane. And then we have the whole question next year. Are is they going to show up or not? Up? Is he or yeah, or if he shows up yeah. and he's like, is she going to show up? Because I ran out on her. Why would she come? So yeah. it was setting some ground there. It's you know to do some interesting shit. But he came back and you're still like, yes, you always want him to come back. You and know, you know yeah, it's very you... fragile. You know, like any year it could just fall apart because one of the spouses found out or something like that. You or know, what if one of them like died? So meaningful, but also one just on a thread. You know. Yeah, that's how Chris and, and I would have right, probably made yeah. it. They just not see each other again. The ones just stop showing up. You don't know what happened. You know, that's like, probably how we would have made it. I bet, dude. I know, right? Because we don't show up one year, he doesn't, and they're just like. Uh, but what would have been yeah. also interesting? It's also interesting to note that they <laughs> never started. They never started one of those scenes with one of them waiting to see if, and then having the other like questioning: mm. Are they going to show? Or are they not mm. going to show? They never started a scene like that. They were always That's together. an opportunity for some tension, but I, I, you know, it's not necessary either. I can totally see why. And I think once you get to a certain number of years that they yeah. keep showing up, you kind of maybe feel like, okay, it's they'll reliable. definitely. You know, yeah. yeah. Do you yeah. believe in the love at first sight thing? Do you think it was lust? Because he was like, I love you. I, this is a problem. I fucking love you. Like the first day. You know yeah, what I mean? Do you, or you think there's just infatuation, something new, something you know? Because I think I think he was in love with all the things she was making him feel. Right. You know, exactly. and and I don't think he loved her. Like he didn't. Even but isn't know that what her. love well, kind of is? Anyway, yeah. yeah, I was going to say love, like yeah. love takes many forms, and one of those forms is I mean, like even if it was lust, it still mean he, and and it was I'm sure it wasn't just physical lust anyway. There's this another yeah. kind where it's more just the magnetism and the, the conversation even. and everything, you know, all wrapped up. That's love in a form. It's one form of love for sure. So I could yeah. see why he, like he's in love in that respect. But yeah. then there's the form that they you can only get from living with the same per- person for as many years as they did toward the end, and that other kind of love that she ended up choosing you know over the i guess you know I I was... love itself is almost a character that changes like they do yeah. you know yeah. what i mean like mm-hmm. it's interesting how because it does start superficial and physical and pheromonal and yeah hormonal, and then eventually though you find that was just infatuation lust etc attraction right. real love is caring more about the other person than yourself you know and you can only come to that eventually unless you're christ-like and you feel that way about everybody yeah you feel that way about a specific person you can only get to that later you know that shit doesn't except your kids but you know the kids are the only love where immediately the first time you meet them you feel that you know but there's also that other side of love like you know i remember always feeling when i was younger that love meant you loved the other person more than yourself. Like that you would, you cared about them more. Like you wanted their happiness mattered more. And then as I got older, I realized that you have to love yourself. Yeah. Why, why not it be equal? You love them equally as to yourself. Why has it got to be more than yourself? Yeah. 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 I mean, some people you do, like you said, your own kids, you should, that should be the case. You should love in and I mean, you know, there are other people that I, I would probably sacrifice myself, myself, for you know to yeah them continue you know so it's true that that occurs but i'm just saying though that's a high ass standard you know it's and like, i think to like that's someone to to say it's real love at least mm-hmm. to define it as love you know and i think that's what these two did like they this was something they did every year to serve themselves to to feed themselves and fuel themselves and that probably made them better when they went back home 
you know, for the year. Like it, it's like that. A lot of relationships thing. probably yes, just need a little charging, you yeah. know, whether it's with another person or not, but just a retreat, you know, something. Yeah. yeah just something. give everyone, every couple should give their other a, a week even or whatever, you know, just to just like disappear and <laughs> do what the fuck they want. They come home with no questions asked. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm I not right, people are really I'm sure stuck. it's hard to convince people's spouses of that. But I feel like it's not, and it's not just in the form of this. Like, no, that's it, what we're saying. It could like, be, you could just go in a cabin in the woods for a week and yeah. whatever. You do whatever you want, though. Sure. It doesn't matter. Just whatever. Like when it takes. you guys, when you guys went in the basin to shoot Cactus Jack. That was like your version of Save Time next year. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, it's like it's a cabin in the woods. Okay, <laughs> cabin in the woods. But like, you you do stuff that that feeds you and fuels you. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, and see, I used to go stay at his place a, retreat, a lot. Though. I would go yeah. to Cali for meetings. I'd stay out there before Q came along. I'd be out there for a couple months. Sometimes it was fucking awesome. Yeah. No, I'd still be working a day job. Right. Yeah. So you know, but there was a period where Jay and I were both unemployed for a year in Rhode Island. That's what yeah. kicked our career off. That's where we redid the most the bulk of our writing in the beginning. And wow, a that's projector great. up on the wall with the script just blown up like gigantic. And he got laid off. Break between. And then I got a job and wrecked my knee and went on disability. Yeah. So I was on disability and he was on unemployment from a pretty good job. So we had like four, five four grand a month coming in for the two yeah. of us in this apartment in Rhode Island. And we're like, dude, we just put foil up over all the fucking windows and sat in there and just wrote our asses off. And that's where we wrote the script that got us first wrapped and broke us in yeah. and all that. But uh, it's so hard once you get a day job on top of it. Really We've hard. never had that. We haven't had that since no. where we could just focus yeah. on writing. It's brutal. Yeah, it is. Like I, I have my, my, oh, this is like my favorite thing. My whiteboard. Nice. Where I, where I like break story. And I, one of the things I love about it is, it, you know, it took me a long time to figure out what worked for me, like in terms of like breaking story and all that stuff. And, and, and again, I think that's part of what I love about, about same time next year. It's like this, this retreat kind of thing where they just had to focus on each other for a weekend, you know, but like, for me, like when I'm breaking story over here, it's like, I'm painting it, you know, it's like all over, but I still find that and I can see the whole story in one fell swoop. And it's I his do, own art form in a way. Yeah, it's like, like that it's itself like, is a piece of art. <laughs> just yeah, like it's madness. blank right. It's blank right now because I just cleaned it off because we're Which trying is to sell our too. Well, yes, except we're trying to sell our house, so like I didn't uh, want my story all over this thing. Because oh, uh, I thought because you had finished that and you were moving on to the next story, because that you know. Yeah, she well, that's some too. amateur screenwriter to come in look at it and steal her idea well like i had a big, <laughs> right. one of the big blocks in the middle i just said you know fuck like it was written across because <laughs> it was like that moment in the in Jaws where it's like we're gonna need a bigger boat you know yes. it was like that moment in the uh -huh. story you know yeah. so like that's what i wrote and 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 i but i feel <laughs> like I, when it's out the only downside is like when it's out there like that I, this is where i would like this to be in a cabin in the woods Hey, because speaking of retreats, like, is this that lake house you're trying to sell? No, we're trying to sell our house house. Good, because she has the sick lake house, and they've been talking about having a writer's retreat someday there. I am down. There oh, yeah, go. that's... Let's do it. That You guys can use it anytime you want. Just let me know. Summer times, we're always booked up, but the winter, the spring, just escape. Just come on up and escape. It's really oh, sweet, yeah. you know? Dude, but I actually... For a week I was actually thinking, like, I'd love to take my... Grab my dry erase board and run up there for a week and just break mm -hmm. the next story. You, do it. you, know? you can make, yeah. it, make it happen somehow. Yep. Well, we're yeah. moving my kid out uh, next weekend. He's yeah, kick his ass in the curb life. and go up there. <laughs> yeah. Can, can, you, can you say anything about the story you're writing? Like, what the basic gist of it is? I'm curious. Oh, well, right now... I'm doing, I've got a few things going on. One of the things. It'd be great. But. Oh, did we run out of time? <laughs> close. No, I have no idea, but we got to be close. Feels like it. It feels like it. And, um, but I, I got commissioned to write an historical fiction novel about Cesar nice. Bacaria, who is from the 1700s in, in Italy. And he wrote this essay called On Crimes and Punishment, which uh, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson discovered and it greatly informed our Declaration of Independence and Constitution. So, and it's all about how the punishment should fit the crime. Like you shouldn't get killed okay. just because you stole a pair. Like, yeah, you know, right. um, that kind of stuff. That's and huge. so it's yeah. really cool because like doing all that huh. kind of historical research 
but then my writing partner and I are writing this, you know, a couple of scripts. We've got a horror script that we're writing that I'm really jazzed about. And then, but we're also, we kind of pushed that aside because he was more jazzed about this other version, which was, um, was, uh, about psychic assassins. So it's, um, it's really very wild out there, kind of matrixy, um, nice. story, very different than the same time next year. I appreciate that you're actually <laughs> creator while you're an editor of like writer's digest and now moving the script pipeline and shit you know yeah i mean